We're holding the Nefesh Achaim, Shara Dalet, Parakid Zayin, and we're talking about how the Torah protects a person. In his lifetime, and now the Nefesh Achaim tells us that the same applies after he dies. And it says, Even after he leaves the world, There's one Gemara which he brings, at the end of Chagiga, that the fire of Gehenim doesn't affect the Talmud Chacham. Chacham who spoils, literally he he leaves Yiddishkeit and does the wrong things, but his Torah still remains uh, Torah. doesn't get repulsive. This obviously needs an explanation. And this he brings and three other midrashim. The first one is the midrash in Mishlei, and the pasuk Lahavin Mashal Melitza. Now Melitza literally means a expression and it's the way of saying an expression of Chachma, a clever remark but the Midrash learns it from changes the words Melitza to the other way around Mitzila, something which saves a person and that the Midrash says it's a savior it saves the people who learn it from Gehinnom and same thing in the second Berkha Mishle Amra Kaddish Baruch Hu Yisrael Al Har Sinai Hashem said to the people of Arasinai, "Im zechisem lehatspin or lekabel terasim v'rasaisa." If you're able to, the hatspin is to God and accept the Torah and keep it, and he matzles chemishlanish peronis. I'll save you from three different punishments: lechemes gogel magoig, lechevish lemashiach, v'dinish l'gehinim. The war of gogel magoig, mashiach, and the punishment of gehinim, which is fascinating because it's exactly the same three things. And the Gemara in Shabbos says that if a person keeps the sodas of Shabbos, he's saved from. We see that a person who is Makabal and, and guards the Torah is saved from the same three punishments. And, if, and besides for that, if you guard my mitzvahs, on that the Midrash says, if you merit to guard my Torah, and then I'll satisfy you from the good which is saved, which is stored for the Tzadikim in the future. Use the same word in reference to guarding the mitzvah's titzpon, and the same thing regarding the reward of the future, that which is hidden for the tzaddikim. So that's the first mitzvah. The second one, Amar Chanina ben Daisa, Ein Echad Tzedakah Shmatzeres Esoadam Edin Shal Gehinam Eretari Bilvad. Even that tzedakah saves a person from death, like we know, and from punishment. That's in this world. Tzedakah protects the person here from being punished or from dying, but in the next world, that's not needed. The tzedakah of tzedakah isn't enough for to be saved in the next world. A person needs tzedakah of the Torah. Even if a person is uh, guilty of an avera, the Torah protects him. And therefore, we can see that Tamil Chacham Shavar B'dvar Avera. Shema Tzedazos, the Torah protects the person. So that's our second Midrash, and the third one is Midrash Tehillim. It's talking about the sun, and it talks about that how the sun has affected everything in the world, and nothing is shielded from the heat of the sun. And on that, the Gemara talks about a physical level of punishment of the future. We know that there's a spiritual Gehinnom, which is something which affects a person's Neshama, there's also a physical level of punishment which will fr- apply to people's bodies here in this world. And that the Gemara says in the Dharma of Testament base that in the future Hashem will make the sun that much hotter and it will burn the Rishon. 
and the Gemara explains in the Pasuk in Malachi, there's a day that's coming which is burning like a furnace and it'll destroy the Rishon and it'll be like straw that gets burned by the furnace. And that the Gemara says, in this world, that Hashemish Azuhi Melahetis is the the sun will get that much stronger and burn the Rishayim, which is the passage we just brought. And about the Asid Lovay, but the Tadikim the Gemara says won't get affected. On the contrary, they'll enjoy the heat. About the Asid Lovay, mean Nista Mechamosa, who's protected from the heat, Misha Isaac Vatayr. That's the passage continues after saying about the strength of the sun and telling us that no one's protected from it. It says Taras Hashem Tzlima. Which we didn't understand is Torah protects the person from that power of that oynish, that punishment of the future. Okay, and therefore the same summary brings the pasuk in Eiv. It says, "Ein choishlech when samavis nisaser shem parayavin." There's no place which is dark that the Irishman can hide in from being punished. But a minister who does get protected, who is hidden, mishoyesik b'tayr. And then the last point he brings is the Gemara, which says about Elisha ben Avuya. That it said the maiden the dainai, Mishum the Gomer Rasi. He won't get judged and punished because he didn't tell. That's the one Gemara and the Yushami which says about Elisha that we learned Matsirim Tik Seif Ima Seifi. We save the tick of the Seifi, which is if a person Allah is on Shabbos, if there's a fire, so we can't run and save everything from the fire. Chazal were worried that in the haste or in the confusion, people will put out the fire as well, which is a it's a deraiser, and therefore they said the rules what a person can and can't save, and that's going to force the person to be much more uh, measured in what he does, and what he won't come to do in this deraiser. One of the things that the Gemara says a person is allowed to save is a sefatera or others for him because they're Kodesh, or even take them out of a burning house into a Mishus Yachid, which doesn't have an Erev. And that the question is, if let's say the Sefer Torah is, in a move, is like in a small Aaron Kodesh, do I have to remove the Sefer Torah from the Aaron Kodesh, or can I pick up the Aaron Kodesh and take it out as well? And that the Gemara says, Matzelim Tuk Sefer Ima Sefer, which means if I'm saving Sefer Torah, I can save the box that is in at the same time. And on that the Gemara wants to, the Gemshami wants to, uh, can, can compare that to the fact that we can, that Tamil uh, Chachim gets saved because of his Torah. Now, the Nefesh HaChaim mentions the story of Elisha ben Avuya, which is what the Gemara is talking about in Chagiga. Let's focus for a second on what happened in the story, because really, it raises a big question. The Gemara says the following. The Gemara says originally, as we know, Elisha ben Avuya was a Tana. He was a contemporary of Rabbi Akiva. And later, for whatever reason, we find that Elisha ben Avuya leaves the Torah, it seems even that Yiddishkeit, and became a Russian. And the Gemara says that after he died, so when his Neshama went up to the Beth Shalmada, so they didn't know what to do with him. Because on the one hand, he deserved punishment for all the bad that he had done. On the other hand, before that, he had learned a tremendous amount of Torah. And being as, therefore, on the one hand, his Torah would protect him from punishment, but because it couldn't get rewarded, because he had such a tremendous debt of Avera. And therefore, the Gemara says that he was left in limbo. He wasn't punished, he wasn't rewarded, he was left in a state of, of, of nothingness, so to speak. 
and it lasted for a long time until his student, Rabbi Meir, was nifta. And Rabbi Meir said that when he dies, he wants to help his former mentor, Lisha ben Avoya, and he is going to make sure that he gets put into Gehinnom, and that way he'll get kapara for the Averis that he died. And that's what happened. The Gemara says that when Rabbi Meir died, smoke started coming out of the cavern of Lisha ben Avoya that was meant to demonstrate that he was being punished spiritually in Gehinnom. So that's the Gemara. And it's a Gemara which needs explanation. Because, uh, firstly, uh, what was, if we're talking about the Maila, if we're talking about the importance of Torah, and that it protects the person from Gehenna, so what about in a story like this where it's actually not helping the person? Because if Gehenna is meant to be a process which cleanses the person, which refines and purifies the person, so then if you're not going to let him into Gehenna, he's not going to get clean. He's going to remain with all the tarnish of the various which, which he's done. So, why, why is it helpful to someone to say, and oh, his of his Torah, he's not going to go to Gehenna. The, the, that means he's, not, he's going to be left in limbo, like we see was actually the case. And the second question we need to ask is, if then what did Rabbi Meir achieve? Or how is it possible for Rabbi Meir uh, to say that when he dies, he's going to make sure that Elisha goes into Gehenna? What happened to the Torah, which is meant to protect him? So, let's understand the, the sugya a little bit better. And we also have to ask the question, why does Torah protect the person from Gehenna? Even without the example or the story that the Gemara gives of Nisha ben Avoya, it has to make sense what is helping a person. If a person does an Avera, he needs to be purified from that Avera. If the process of purification is Gehenna, so then, of what benefit is it to a person to say he can't go to Gehenna? How does the Torah shield the person, so to speak, from Gehenim? And why is that? Why is that something which would be good for the person? Those are the questions. So let's look closely at the Gemara in Chagiga, which is the first Gemara that the Nefesh Shachem quoted, and begin an, our understanding from there. And the Gemara says that the fire of Gehenim doesn't touch the Talmud Chacham. Why? The Gemara says it's a Kalvachayma from a Salamander. The salamandra was a kind of a reptile. And it's a reptile which his heat was, uh, so to speak, immune to fire. And therefore, it, couldn't, it wouldn't get affected by being in a fire. And even like in you found cases in the Midrash of people who put, put on salamandra skins and protect them from getting burnt as well. And the Gemara says, if the salamandra, which is protected from fire, because it has a certain immunity to fire, then the Talmud Chacham Shekol Gufayesh is completely fire, for sure he's going to be protected from fire. So that's the first thing the Gemara says, and that that's why we see that a Talmud Chacham isn't affected by the fire of Gehenna. The second Gemara said, that was brought at the end, that we save the Arnakodesh together with the Sefer Torah. And therefore, being as uh, save a Sefer the Aaron Kodesh, which is there to hold the Sefer gets saved from the fire too. And if that's going to be the case, then the, connect, the comparison uh, the, we, want, we want to draw is that the, the person who learns Torah becomes the Aaron Kodesh for that Torah. And therefore, just like the Torah can't get burnt, the person who's now in the, in the role of the Aaron Kodesh, so he gets saved together with the Torah. 
Okay, so this is the two separate reasons which are being brought why a person is going to be saved if he's a time of from Gehenna. The one reason is Kavachemer from a Salamandra, and that's the Lashon of, of the Gemara, the Kol Gufoy Eish. And the second one is the fact that he's a Tik Sefer, he's like the Arakai that's just holding the Sefer Torah. Okay, let's try to understand that a bit better. What's the difference between these two reasons? So what's the reason of the, the being the Aaron Kodesh? So we understand the din of the Aaron Kodesh is something which is meant to be used for Dovah Kodesh. It's been dedicated to be used for Zephyr so it gets Kedusha too. Just like the Baisamikdash gets Kedusha, when it's been used in Avoda, and the person's Tefillin bag gets Kedusha because it's meant to hold Tefillin. It's the same thing, something which is used to hold the Torah, so to speak, and absorb some of the Kedusha of the Torah. Now, if that's then of Kedusha can't be destroyed, so just like the Torah can't be destroyed, something which absorbs Kedusha can't be destroyed either. And now the question is, what's called, how does something become an Aaron Kodesh? In other words, if I'm transporting a Sefer Torah, and I find an empty shelf in my break front to put it, or an empty box to put it into, that doesn't make it Aaron Kodesh. There are rules for Aaron Kodesh. And the rules for Aaron Kodesh are what we call Hasmana, which means I have to decide Mirosh. This is I'm making this in order for it to be an Aaron Kodesh. It's not that I find some empty box or some empty closet and I decide to put a Torah into it. Hasmana means it was made or it was prepared specifically for the job that it has to have of holding a Sefer Torah. That's what we call Hasmana. And the second thing is that it's not used for anything else, which means if I decide this is going to be used for a Sefer Torah and for the Shul Stocker box, and for various other things which I don't have a place for, it doesn't make it Aaron Kodesh. It might be being used for Torah and other things as well, but it doesn't get Kedusha. And therefore the dinim of Kedusha of a Sefer Torah don't apply to it. In order for an Aaron Kodesh to be considered Kodesh like a Sefer Torah, and therefore being something which we can't destroy, like we can't destroy a Sefer Torah, it has to have the first condition of Hasmana, which means that's what it was made for. And the second addition is the ichud, which means it wasn't meant for, it wasn't used for anything else. And in the case like that, I really can't use it for anything else. And Aaron Kodesh, which is made to hold the Sefer Torah, I can't just put other things, I can't put other things into it. It has a Kedusha of a Torah. The same thing when the, the Halacha, which may be more practical, that's about Tefillin back. Tefillin is also a Dava Kodesh, and something meant to hold Tefillin gets Kedusha too, on condition that we have these two requirements, which means it was meant to be a Tefillin back. It's not like I just found some random uh, embroidered uh, bag and used it for my tefillin. I made it for tefillin. And number two, it was meant only for tefillin. So if it's also going to be used for uh, random, like coins for stocker and a siddur and other things, as long as it doesn't have the condition of a tefillin bag. It has to be that it was meant for a tefillin bag and it wasn't used for anything besides for tefillin. And then it gets the condition of a uh, tick tefillin. Now, once it gets that condition, that it can't be used for anything else, and one has to dispose of it as they would Tfilin, against the Kedusha of Tfilin. Says the Gemara, an amazing idea. Says the Gemara that a Talmud Chacham, a person, can also do those two stages to themselves, which means they can be Mekadish themselves as like something which is holding Torah, because a person's mind can hold the Torah, and if that's the case, so then just like Adava Kodesh can't be destroyed, they can't be destroyed either. But in order for that to happen, we have to fulfill the two requirements that it's a proper hasmana, which means there's something which would make a person Kaddish. 
which means the first point is it needs a dedication. A person has to dedicate himself to learning Torah. It's not that it happened to be that he had time and he found himself wanting to do it and he opened up a sefer. It has to be that a person makes the conscious decision, I'm going to dedicate myself to Torah. And that way I, I become a key to hold Torah. And that's just the first half. The second part is that a person has to dedicate himself to Torah exclusively. Like we saw, the den of Hasmana only works if something is meant only to hold his name Torah and nothing else. And therefore, for a person to be Zaycha to this level, that he's going to uh, be a Kli for Torah and get the Kedusha of the Torah, so a person needs to fulfill both of these requirements. That he's dedicated himself to learning Torah and that he's focusing on only Torah and nothing else, and then he becomes Kaddish. And then Taka, he'll get saved from Gideon. That's the first level. That's the first level. The level that uh, a time of Hakim gets saved from Gideon. Now, before we discuss the second level, I want to answer the question. We asked the question previously, why is it good for a person? In other words, Gehinnom isn't just a punishment that the person's happy not to have. Gehinnom is also a process which cleans a person. And if a person actually needs that cleansing, if a person actually needs that kapara, so then, as much as the Chathirubi wouldn't want to get Gehinnom, but if that's the situation, that the basic Shalmana decides what's necessary for this person's tikkun, What's necessary to, for this person to perfect him, to fix him up, is Gehinnom. So why would it be to his benefit to say, well, no, you don't tell him. And therefore he's being protected from Gehinnom. So then what's going to happen to him? So this brings us to our second point. And this is not just the Yisoyed here for this particular Nefesh uh, HaChaim, it's the Yisoyed altogether. And the Chazal tell us, on the one hand, how terrible and how extreme the punishments of Gehinnom are. And on the other hand, Azal tell us that a person can get punishments in this world too. And that both of them act as a kapara. Both of them act to cleanse a person from a virus. But there's a tremendous difference between them. Because if you look at how the severity of the punishment of Gehenna, which cleanses a person, and you look at what was considered an onish punishment in this world, which cleanses a person, they are completely out of proportion to each other. In other words, something very small in this world works as a kapara for something which would seem to need a much, much more severe punishment than For example, we know that one of what's called the tachsis e one of the things a person can do to atone for an avera, to get kapara, is to fast. Now, people might not enjoy fasting, but in the scale of things, the fast isn't that serious. It's a few hours without food, they have a tired at the end, maybe a little bit of a headache. It's nothing, nothing dramatic, nothing absolutely unbearable. But it's going to happen for various, which the person would have to go through the fire of Gehenna, which is a hundred times worse. Similarly, it's brought down to various sorry, that if a person stays up in a time that's either to do trouble to learn, he doesn't sleep, so it can be happy for a chorus. Now, chorus is a very serious severe. And if there's going to be a punishment for chorus, it's going to be an extreme punishment. And again, it's difficult to stay up at night, a person feels a headache, a person feels tired, whatever the case might be, but it doesn't begin to compare to the ownership of a chorus. If that's the case, the question is, what's the proportion? How can something in this world, which seems like such a minor kapara, relatively, be mechafa for such a big avera? And the answer, and this is a big principle, 
And that is because if a person is going to get kapara in this world, it's for something that they accepted upon themselves. It's something they decided to do to themselves to get kapara. Whereas kapara, which is meted out in Shemayim, is against the person's wishes. It's because he's forced to do it. He's forced to undergo that. It's not because he chose to. And the important principle is that when a person understands that he needs a kapara and he works to give himself a kapara, Hashem accepts a much smaller amount of suffering together with the person's intention to get kapara in place of when it's not the person's intention to get kapara and then the only fact is the amount of suffering, then the amount of suffering is going to be extremely more painful. So that's an important yesod to realize. What we accept on ourselves as part of tshuva, we can, so to speak, get, use a much smaller amount of suffering together with the fact that we were trying to get kapara to, in, to replace what would otherwise be a much more extreme punishment when it would be without the person's own choice to get kapara. And that's why we find that when it comes to various mitzvahs which involve a certain amount of uh, serious nefesh, a certain amount of difficulty on the part of the person, a certain amount of forfeiting pleasure or enjoyment or even relaxation, that besides for the mitzvah the person is doing, it counts as a kapara too. Because there is a certain difficulty, there is a certain amount of discomfort involved. And if a person intends I'm going to this discomfort should be in place of the suffering that I was that I was meant to have uh, as an ownish what I've done wrong. So then Hashem accepts that. And this is the second part of what we said before. And that is that Talmud Chacham is safe in the fire of Gehinnom because Kol Gufayesh. His whole body is fire. What does that mean? In order to become a Talmud Chacham, a person has to be prepared to forego pleasure. A person has to work himself hard. A person has to give up on luxury. A person has to drive sleep from his eyes. And like the Gemara says, the Derech of Torah is V'chayit Sa'ar Tichya. It's to live a life of discomfort. A life which isn't all about physical enjoyment. And now if a person thinks, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm happy and willing to give up all the physical comfort and enjoyment for Torah, let that difficulty be a kapar. Then it's a kapar. It doesn't mean to be an extreme kapar, but the fact that a person accepts on himself that I'm doing this because I want to get a kapar, even something much more minor can count as the kapar. And therefore, it's a tremendous opportunity for a person to gain two things at the same time. And that is the difficulty and the effort that a person exerts himself to do a mitzvah, and specifically to learn Torah. So on the one hand, that's the reward for the mitzvah. And at the same time, you can daven that the difficulty involved, which should count as a kapara for what they did wrong. I'm choosing to accept a certain hardship on myself. Let the difficulty be considered a kapara. And a Talmud Chacham who does that doesn't leave the, the fires of Gehenna. Why? Because being, he's already gotten the kafara here. And remember, that doesn't mean that he, he's left in limbo without kafara. No, it means that we have a Talmud Chacham. He's required a certain 
mysterious nefesh. It's required a certain uh, amount of, so to speak, effort, exertion a person's put into it. And if a person intended that to be the kapara, then he's already gotten kapara. He's already gotten kapara. Yes, we said it's much less severe than the punishment of Shemaim, but that's the way the system works. When a person accepts on himself here, so he, a fraction of the punishment of Shemaim is already considered a kapara here. And this is even the Mishnah. The Mishnah talks about the punishment of Malchus, which isn't a small punishment, it's an extreme punishment in this world's term, but a person gets Malchus, he's part of from Karas. Karas is infinitely worse. So that's the first point. And that is, we asked, why would it be good for a Tamil Chacham not to get Kehinim? And the answer is, what's good for him is, he gets the Kapara without the Kehinim. He gets the Kapara for the difficulty which he put in and invested, and the effort he invested into becoming the Tamil Chacham. And Rimeida, when he gets the Shemaim, not only does he get reward for the Torah that he learns, but the difficulty in learning is the Kapara for the Averis. He no longer needs Kehinim. And what you're going to ask the obvious question, so what about Achim? Achim, the Gemara said, when he came to Gehinnom, when he came to Shemaim, so then he was left in number. On the one hand, he can't be punished because the Torah he learned protected him. On the other hand, he can't be rewarded because he's got all these Averis that he's done. What was different over there? And the answer is very simple. The answer is, Achim first was the Talmud Chacham and afterwards the Averis. And if that's the case, he never got a kapara for those Averis. They came second. So when normally when a Talmud Chacham, so he doesn't begin his career as a Talmud Chacham and afterwards become a Russia. If anything, normally the, he begins on one level and grows higher and becomes more of a Talmud Chacham. So then the Torah of his later years can happy for the mistakes of his youth. Achim was the exception that it was the other way around. He began as a Talmud Chacham and later on was Sarach. Later on, he spoiled. Later on, he did Averis. And therefore, there wasn't a Torah for subsequent to the Averis to be Mechapar on that. And that's why the Gemara says the two expressions together. That the first point is that, that uh, Tam Chacham is saved from the fire of Gehinnom because the Torah he learned is a Kapara. And then the second point, even if that wouldn't be the case, as the story of Achim, when the Torah can't be used as a Kapara because it only came later. But nevertheless, the Torah he had learned before, when he did make himself that Aaron Kodesh, and at that stage he was miskalish the Kodesh of the Torah, so then that remains with him, and he still can't be burnt. And what happens to him? So that was the dilemma by Achim. What's going to happen to him? Because how are we going to treat him if we can't reward him and we can't punish him? And if that's the point we're going to get to, so now we just explain the conclusion. We asked beforehand, so what did Rabbi Meir achieve? And Rabbi Meir said, I'm going to be the one to punish him. I'm going to be the one to make sure he gets punished. Uh, how, why would that be a... Why would that be a solution for Achim? So, let's analyze just for a moment again the Gemara we began. The Gemara says that just like we save a tick safer with the safer, we save our Kodesh together with the Sefer Torah, it's the same thing, we save the Tamil Chachum with the Torah he learns. Now the idea of Matzidin is that he gets saved and he doesn't get destroyed. What's the idea that he gets saved and not destroyed? It means in a case where a person would deserve to be destroyed by Gehenna. So then the Torah that he learned is going to prevent him from destruction. Now, who deserves to be destroyed by Gehenna? 
the Gemara Shoshana and the Fizayin tells us the different levels of the punishment of Gehinnom. There's a kind of Gehinnom which is for a limited amount of time to purify a person. But the Gemara also says that there's a kind of Gehinnom which lasts until the person gets destroyed. Until Kufan Kalav and Nishmasun Nisrefes. The body is finished and the Nishama is burnt. That's destruction. And that's for more severe Averis. That the person doesn't deserve uh, to exist, the Gehinnom can punish to a much more extreme degree as well. Now, the point is that that was the level that Achad deserved. The Averis he did, he was Kaifa Be'eka, or or whatever other, he was a Moiser, wherever the Averis were, there were Averis that weren't just a question of punishing him and uh, purifying him through punishment. There are Averis where the, the process of Gehinnom would have destroyed him. And if that's the case, if it's a question of destruction, then we have the Gemara we said before. And that is, the name that the Koyach is Matzal, the person, just like it's Matzal Darla Kodesh, that he can't get destroyed. And therefore the Koyach prevented Achim from being destroyed. Because otherwise there would have been no way to give him Gehinnim without destroying him. And the Torah says you can't destroy him. If that's the case, so what did Rameir achieve? And the answer is, Rameir came to Shemaim with one simple taina. We know that what a person that gets judged from Shemaim isn't just the effect they had on themselves, their own neshama, their own lives, but the effect they had on other people too. And if that's the case, Rameir is coming to Shemaim with a taina. And he's going to say, all the Torah I have is in his chos. I was a student. And Rabbi Meir's Torah wasn't ruined. Rabbi Meir was a tzaddik and he died a tzaddik. And if all of Rabbi Meir's Torah is to Achiz Chos, so then we can punish him without destroying him. Because maybe for himself he deserves to be destroyed. And then his, the Torah is going to prevent him getting destroyed. But once we have the Chos of Rabbi Meir, and that's going to say that even if you're going to punish him, that Lemayah said there's a lasting Chos that he'll still have. All the Torah of Rabbi Meir that it's possible to punish him without destroying him. And that's what Shemayim did. And therefore that's the way that Achim became purified because he could now be punished and at the same time he wouldn't be destroyed. So what we've learned is when the Torah says that it protects a person from being punished by Gehinnom, there's two levels. There's two levels of punishment. There's two levels of protection. The Torah that a person learns, the difficulty involved, or the Mr. Nefesh, works to protect the person from punishment of Gehenna. And therefore he's already accepted a certain amount of Yisurim, of, so to speak, difficulty here, that stands in place of the Yisurim of Shemai. And the second point, if a person, Chas would be high, that the Gehenna would destroy them, so the Torah is going to intercede. Because, just like if a person did get to that level, where he was an Aaron Kodesh, which he became, he dedicated himself to Torah and Torah exclusively, so then just like the Torah can't be destroyed, something which was Kodesh, but the condition of the Torah can't be destroyed either.